Our core scripture is Matthew chapter 9, verse 37, and we're going to read down through chapter 10, verse 1. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37, down to chapter 10, verse 1. Then he, Jesus, said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. And that same authority that he gave them, he also gave to you um, as a disciple. Now, we gave you some key definitions on disciples. Why don't you show our definitions on disciples? We said the Greek word for discipleship, and this is just some quick review. Um, about disciples and uh, discipleship. Hallelujah. Said that word is the word mathetes, and um, it is a learner, but it's talking about a mathematically precise type learner because math is very exacting. If you start the pro problem wrong, you probably won't get the answer right. Um, and the word matheo is to learn. So it's something that's built step by step, right? Love talking to my young people, was talking to my great nephew, who I consider a great nephew. His name is Christian. Hey, what you doing in school? I'm learning my multiplication tables. If his math isn't right, his multiplication is probably going to be wrong too. You understand that? Because you have to build it on layers. You don't get that. We, we shouldn't talk to you about algebra yet. All right, we certainly shouldn't talk to you about calculus. All right. Um, then I've given you an acrostic definition on disciple. We said a disciple is a dedicated, inspired student. Inspired said you carry in your own motivation inside. Committed to integrating principles for living in excellence. Okay. Um, that you are dedicated to becoming one with the teaching. Not just so that you can have a bunch of stuff that you can say that you got and put a certificate on a wall saying you've been through the foundations course one and two. And we want you to have certificates and stuff and put them on the wall. But if you never, if we never saw the certificate, we should see your life and know what the certificate certifies. Okay. Because uh, there's people who have certificates and then their life don't reflect it in Jesus name. And then we've been working our way through these five discipleship principles. And really, we camped out in number three, but let's look at the whole list now. We said every disciple is a believer, but not every believer is a disciple, and that it takes one to make one. We've been camping out here. We've talked about the fact that discipleship requires preeminent commitment, principled living, purposeful benevolence, and productive, effective action to be effective. We've been talking about what each one of those means. Number four, we said discipleship requires the disciple to pay it forward. And then finally, Jesus commits himself to stay with the discipling disciple. So in number three there, we talked about a few weeks back that discipleship requires preeminent commitment. We talked about the fact that Preeminent commitment says that we love the king more than family or self and forsake all to follow the king. 
that the disciple has allegiance to the person preaching and principles of Jesus above his own life, livelihood, and lifestyle, right? I've got commitment to the person, to the preaching, and to the principles of Jesus, right? Above my own life, livelihood, and lifestyle. So if any of those things are in threat and I got Jesus on one side and those things on the other side, then I'm supposed to choose Jesus every time, right? That's preeminent commitment. Whatever I choose more than Jesus is my Jesus, but that's a story for a different day. I already talked about that one. Last week, we talked about principled living. Principled living, we talked about, came from John 8, 31, where it says, if you continue in the word, then you are my disciple. Indeed, continue or abide. Now, I have a definition. I talked about it, but I didn't show it last week, which I want to show this week about abide. And it's the Greek word meno, M-E-N-O. That word abide, it means to stay in a given place, a given state, in relationship or expectancy, to abide or to continue, to dwell or endure, to be present, to remain, to stand, to tarry for, to, to have it, make it your own, okay? Um, so when he says abide or continue in his word, that's what, that's, that, that's what we mean when we say integrating the principles. You're not a tither if you tithe three times and then quit four times. You know what I mean? Like if you go in and out, you're not at the abide phase. You're not at the continue phase. I'm not saying you're a bad person. You just don't get the freedom that in a person who abide gets. There's a freedom that comes with that. And people who are trying it out don't get the freedom. You know, um, you know, I'm, I'm in this thing where I've reached a certain point in in um, our home where we had been paying it off and so on. You get a certain point, you don't have to have a certain insurance, but they say you must, you must have a good track record of paying. He didn't, they didn't say, did you pay last month's payment? They said, we're going to look at the whole record and see if your record's good. Then we're going to have another discussion. You know what That's what discipleship is like. When it says abide, he's saying you got to stay with that truth until it makes you free in the area that that truth um, that truth is dealing with. Now, you can believe that it is true and still not be free yet because you haven't abided long enough. All right? But I'm not going to re-preach that. We talked about that last week. The disciple is the person who not only believes but continues to practice to live out his beliefs until those principles become one with his character, nature, and our automatic response. And if you stay with it that long, Jesus has committed himself that that principle that you know to that level is the thing that'll make you free. So if you know, if you know scriptures in your head but are not free yet, then you're probably still in the abiding process, in the continuing process, okay? We talked about purposeful benevolence. We said purposeful benevolence is the love lifestyle. I also have a definition of love that I talked about that I will just review to you on what love is and what it is not. And that definition is that the love of God is not a feeling. Because sometimes I feel like a nut, sometimes I don't. If I let my feelings decide my, my, my actions, then I'm walking outside of love. The love of God, it is a pattern of behaviors. 
centered around the principle of delivered benevolence motivated by a divine empowerment. It's a pattern of behaviors. Love is patient, kind, not easily provoked. All of those things in 1 Corinthians 13. It has a center, has a central principle to it, which we called deliberate benevolence. And when we said about deliberate benevolence, we said the word benny means good, like benefits, things that are good. Volo comes from the word will. Volition is your will. Of your own volition, you did something. That means you voluntarily did it. Okay? So benevolence is the principle to, on purpose, by your own act, do good to the person. So I'll have my behaviors centered around a principle of delivering benevolence motivated by divine power because the love of God, according to Romans 5 and 5, is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit that is given to us. So that's, and the scripture told us last week that by this, we would be known as his disciples because we have love one to another. Some people love an abstract and say, all I got is love for you, but then your actions don't show it. Okay? If your behaviors don't show it, then it's not love. It's a pattern of behaviors, not a pattern of feelings. Most people say that's what they're saying is I feel love towards you. <laughs> I got nothing but love. Holy, 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 holy. What kind of love are we talking about? Your feelings or your behaviors? All right. And is there some divine empowerment that's driving it? And you're not supposed to, in a kingdom community, opt out of love because it's difficult. Because if we did that, all of us would opt out. So in social media, everybody's talking about church hurt, and then they're not talking about hurt church. Because that's not like a two, that's not like one-way street. Did you know that? People think hurt is like a one-way, you know, a one-way mirror. Like we can see where they all hurt us, but nobody, nobody see how, they, how I'm hurting too. Imperfect people have to come together to create kingdom community. And oftentimes we're blaming people when we haven't sold the seed we're wanting reap to reap as a harvest. When the God kind of love says, it's what I do for you, not what you do for me. In the old King James, 1 Corinthians 13 described this love by the word charity. Because charity says, what I give you, you can't give back to me. And I'm still giving it to you anyway, because I want to do you good, not because I want you to do me good. All right. So today, to our to our list, we've so we've gone through the first three of those, right? We've talked about preeminent commitment, right? We talked about principal living. We talked about purposeful benevolence. Now we're going to talk about productive action, productive, effective action. Okay. Productive, effective action says that I can believe without effective kingdom contribution, but I can't be a disciple if I'm not making effective kingdom contribution. Let's look at John chapter 15, and we're going to read verses 1 through 8. John chapter 15, verses 
1 through 8. In my Bible, this is in red, so this is Jesus speaking. Jesus says here, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch, that means no branch is accepted, no branch gets an ex exception to this. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he, the Father, takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he cuts on it, prunes it, that it may bear more fruit. So he's not only grading the quality of your fruit, he's grading the quantity of your fruit. Verse 3 says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, same word there, Mano, that we just showed you before, above. Continue and abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Oh, that, that's, that's, I don't like them scriptures and Jesus started talking about firing. His kind of fire, I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's a fire of the Holy Ghost. That's not what this talking about, is it? All right. Verse seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. This is not about this is not about, this is not about cash, cars and cribs. This is about your desire to produce the fruit that he's asking you to produce in your life. He got to want it, he do, which he does, but you got to want it, too. All right. Verse eight. By this, my father is glorified that you bear not just any fruit, but much fruit. So will you be my disciples? Oftentimes, we want to escape the performance nature of the kingdom. We want God to just give us a pass because we believe right and don't do right and get right results. You know, we want participation trophies. <laughs> We, I showed up. You get a gold star. You get a gold star. You get a gold star. Everybody gets a gold star. But he's saying, no, you wouldn't give your apple tree if you were the farmer. Our participation trophies, man, is there, but ain't no apples. All right. You wouldn't give your orange tree. Participate if you were a farmer and you depended upon this for your livelihood. And one thing when you just got it in your backyard and you just, you know, you know, neighbors had stuff like that. And as kids, we would climb fences and go in folks' yards to eat from their trees. I have had neighbors run me off. <laughs> I don't know if Christian is the clergy is Christian. <laughs> 
I've had, I've had, I've had them run me off on my bike, me and my friends. Foolishness is born in the heart of a child, right? Some of those didn't get back to apostles. Shh, don't tell it, okay? Um, but it's different if you was, if those people were farmers and this was their life and livelihood. Jesus uses the grape vine analogy, parable, and says, he is the true vine. You are a branch from the vine and the gardener, the vine dresser, the farmer is the father. Okay. And then he describes the father making an assessment of the effective productive action of your life, the output of your life. And he tells us that a tree, that a, a branch that does not bear the fruit it's intended to bear is useless. Now, that's not my words. Those are Jesus' words. It's useless. Therefore, the father takes it away. Pastor, does he do that instantaneously? No. But there comes a time when he expects you to produce the fruit in your life. You don't, you don't bring a baby home from the hospital and start trying to give them chores. But if they 16 and 17 and can't do nothing around the house, you think something's wrong. You understand what I'm saying? You expect them to grow up to a certain point and really get to the point where they grasp hold of truth and walk it out in their own life and give you some fruit. So people ask me, do you want a dog? I said, no, I don't want a dog. That's like a child that never grows up. I can't give them no chores. I can't put a plow behind them. I can't get nothing. No, I want a dog. I want something that'll grow up and get out and help. I'm just saying, in your kingdom life, that's the way God expects you to be at some point in time. He doesn't expect it instantaneously, but you're supposed to go from being a leaf to being a full-grown branch, and at that point, he's looking for some fruit coming off your life. Somebody say amen. amen. Well, God doesn't care about, he doesn't care about the active. He doesn't care about kingdom actions that's effective. God don't care about numbers. He just, you just have to do the right thing. No, God wrote a book called Numbers. Yeah, he cares about it. All right. Jesus tells us that a person who doesn't progress to the point of fruitfulness is in danger of eternal life. The father cuts you off and you are burned. He didn't say the devil did it. He said the father. Okay. And so we want to be people who grade the fruitfulness of our own lives. What things are indisputable proof in terms of the output and effectiveness of your own life, of your connection with Jesus. He says, he's the vine, you're the branch. If you're connected with him, you at least bring some fruit. If you are fruitful, the father's going to do some things. Some of them are going to hurt. 
to get you from the level of fruit you have now to more fruit. Some of the things we're going through now, I'm telling you by the spirit, is because God is cutting us away to get us to a point of more fruitfulness. And that's not the devil. Nowhere in this story is the devil. And you have to be okay with it hurting. <laughs> I wish everything that God would do to get me to the place that he wants me to be. I wish none of it hurt it. I just can't find it in the scripture where that's so. He's cutting back on something that's living to get more out of it. If it's bearing fruit, he's cutting it back so that it can bear more fruit and ultimately much fruit. This is one of Apostle's favorite messages. Boy, she, she preached this thing that, that no fruit, fruit, more fruit, much fruit. And that you always cut back to the quick part that's still living. Not, you don't just cut the dead part that don't hurt. To get to the point of more fruit. Now, sometimes if we're not careful, we can spend our time. Now, this is everything I told you is true. There's supposed to be productive action that yields results, benefiting the lives of other people. Jesus said, by your fruit, you will know them. Like when the tree is barren, you and I can argue about what kind of tree it is. But when the fruit's on it, all argument is over. You don't get apples from an orange tree. Okay. You don't get uh, coconuts from a pineapple tree. Once it gets to the point of fruit, it's indisputable what kind of tree it is and what kind of seed was connected to that tree. All right. And we can focus on that because we should have kingdom action of a, of of discipling and affecting people's lives. Because he's talking about here growing the, the growth of the kingdom and its expansion. And he wants your life to produce action in other people that helps them. I often think when I when I read this, I often think of my. My late pastor, late Reverend Samuel Timothy Turner. I can hear him singing. If I could help somebody. As I travel along. If I can touch somebody with the word or song, if I can show somebody that they're traveling wrong, then my living shall not be in vain. I can still hear him singing that. I didn't understand as a child. I just thought he was singing some old song. <laughs> but I've been a branch longer than that now. And I understand what he was saying. Makes me teary even thinking about it now sitting in this seat. that God is requiring of me to bear fruit so that my living is not in vain. Yes. 
okay? And he's requiring that of you, because if you don't, the scripture says you are in danger of the father pruning you away and being burned. But the key aspect of this is that our fruitfulness is a natural outcome of our connection to Jesus as source. Jesus said, if you are a branch that is abiding in the true vine, fruitfulness occurs. Fruitfulness is the natural outcome of relationship with Jesus. So if there is no fruit, then somewhere I'm, I'm, my, my connection, the flow of the life force of Jesus is not getting to me and is not getting through me. Right? Because the flow is vine, branch, fruit. Vine, branch, fruit. What's flowing through the vine flows into the branch and and the output of that connection from the vine to the branch naturally is the fruit. All right. So this productive, effective action that he wants from us is a natural byproduct of our connection with him. This is the same abiding that we discussed in terms of principle living but the focus here is slightly different. Where in John 8, it was talking about staying in the word and letting the word stay in you. Staying in the word and letting the word stay in you. Let's say in John 8, we're talking about, okay, you know, every time I get a paycheck, you know, if I wasn't established in tithing, every time I got a paycheck, I would pull out my tithing scriptures just to make sure. And I would look at them and read them and stay with them and then pay it. And then do it again, over and over again, until it became a part of me and became an action that I believed automatically. But a, a while it takes, for, it takes my discipleship of integrating that into my behavior. But on this one, it's not actually talking about the word per se, even though the word is him and he is the word. It's talking about being a person who walks and talks and fellowships with Jesus, spending time communing with him. As a part of my daily life, it's talking about my having a consecrated life, not a consecrated life in the sense of, you know, I don't smoke or chew. And then I talk about those who do. It's not talking about that. It's talking about having a live, a vibrant, vital, living connection with Jesus. that you are abiding with him and he with you, that he's, you're abiding in him and he's abiding in you. And that the output of that is that there will be fruit. Now, sometimes he'll tell you to do stuff that will hurt. And you can't explain it all and you wish you could fix it all for everybody. And you wish that everybody who you were doing it for understood why you were doing it. But not everybody understood Jesus, including his own family. Y'all got the same Bible I got? Y'all know I'm telling the truth? 
Some of them only got it on the other side. I'm preaching to myself if y'all couldn't figure that out. I'm just trying to help me out right here. Okay, I have <laughs> I have to preach myself through this one. But he still had to stay connected and do what God was telling him to do to bear more fruit. In Jesus case, he said it. Unless a seed fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it goes through this process, his process was called germination, being planted into the ground and then rising up. Then it'll bring more fruit. Our process is called pruning. You were effective, and then I'm going to cut you. <laughs> well, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you. Sometimes I'm like, God, this don't seem fair. I don't know about you. Sometimes I just want to argue with God. Like, isn't there another way? <laughs> I, I can see this other thing on the other side. I can see where I am. And I can see this other side. But from here to there is some kind of cutting. And I'm not just cutting stuff that's dead. If I was just cutting the dead stuff, then me and even if I didn't like it, we could at least agree on it. I'm cutting the stuff that's still living, that's still productive, that's still actually doing something, that still has a level of fruitfulness. That still demonstrates that I am connected to the vine. I have indisputable proof. That I'm, I have some level of fruit, but he didn't say he wanted fruit. He didn't even say he wanted more fruit. He wanted much fruit. And he is willing to cut me in places that I'm already living to get more out of me. If I am in this abiding, then that means Jesus is my life force and life source. Then I let his words live in me to the same degree. There are certain things I'm hanging on through this period. I read when Elijah was at Mount Carmel, the mountain of decision. People had to decide whether they with him or not. And he said these words. Lord. Before he called down fire from heaven, he said, Lord. Let it be known that I'm your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Y'all, I, I go to bed with that and I get up in the morning with it, too. Lord, I can't fix everything. I can't explain it all. But just let it be known when this is all said and done. That I'm really your servant. And I did all of these things because you told me to do them. I have to, I have to let his words live in me. 
If you abide in me and my words abide in you, I got to. Sometimes you just got to hang. You got to hang on to the word for dear life. You just got to hang. You don't you don't have all the answers. You just got a word that you're holding on to. All right. He says, if you do this, you will ask and desire the right things. The things that God wants in terms of fruitfulness and those things will be granted to you. I'm doing what we're doing, believing that on the other side of this, that there are more lives will be changed because of mine. That you will be in better places because of this decision. I'm believing that. I'm hanging on that pruning will result in fruitfulness. And because I'm hanging on to that, I'm asking for it. I'm not asking for stuff for me. I'm asking for fruitfulness for the kingdom. And I'm believing that both the quality of fruit and the quantity of fruit will increase because of our obedience to stay connected that there will be greater productive, effective action. That the fruit of your life, the, the output of this will bring glory to God and demonstrate definitively that you and I are truly Jesus' disciple. Come on, let's stand. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God is good, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Ha, ah, man. Whew. There are times you have to preach your own self through. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you do. Apostle Paul said, I think myself happy. <laughs> Sometimes you just... You just got to keep pushing. Sometimes you just got to keep pushing your way through. times you just have to trust the process. Got to trust the process. You don't have all the answers, but you got to trust the process. You got to trust that God Gotta trust that God's gonna hold to his word. He hasn't failed. And he's not gonna fail you either. That God is good to us. So 
sometimes I wish the destiny path would only go ways that I wanted it to go. What I found, what I found as I was reading scripture is that the destiny path goes through bad neighborhoods. He leads me in path of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. The destiny path goes through bad neighborhoods. I just proved it to you, didn't I? Even in the bad neighborhoods, you're with me. I don't know about you, but right there, that just makes me happy. So even in, in where death is casting its shadow, still don't have to fear because his presence is with me. 